You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all? To feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by Savage Arms. Now, Savage has come out with a new model, and that model is the 110 Ultralight. At under six pounds, the 110 Ultralight is designed to combat elevation and the elements while maintaining the performance of a factory blueprinted Savage 110 action. This comes in a variety of calibers. It has a gray AccuFinish stock with adjustable comb height. This is an awesome rifle, and uh, basically Savage is at it again. These guys have done amazing things in the past, and now they're doing amazing things in the future. If you want to find out more information about the 110 Ultralight, visit SavageArms.com. Welcome to the Transition Wild Podcast, brought to you by Expedition Archery. I'm your host, Adam Parr, and you're listening to episode number 71, where I talk with Tim Andrews of Gypsum Creek Outfitters. Hello, how's it going, guys? Thanks again for tuning in to the Transition Wild Podcast, number one source for Western big game hunting. I appreciate you guys sticking with me. It's been a bit since I've I've put out a new podcast, and I apologize on that. Life just kind of gets in the way. You get a little bit busy, and and uh, you make excuses. So uh, yeah, I'm not gonna make an excuse for the the lack of uh, of podcasts. I just I just suck. No. <laughs> Uh, but no, uh, glad to be back on here. I've, uh, I've been, man, I've really been taking a lot of time to focus on myself. I've been, you know, eating healthy, exercising, shooting my bow a ton, just getting ready for the season. And, and I haven't, I feel like I haven't been this prepared in a long time. So it feels good to really just dive in and, 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 uh, focus on the things that, you know, I want to focus on and, and, uh, hopefully things will pay off here this fall. And, and I'm really looking forward to my archery mule deer hunt. I plans to get up there and, and do some scouting here in about a week, uh, early August and, uh, just kind of get some boots on the ground. So I'm looking forward to that and, uh, just rolling in with the hunting season. I, uh, I elected not to do a archery elk season here in Colorado, just with my schedule and, and everything, and with this archery mule deer hunt that I've got going on, um, I decided just to do a first season rifle tag uh, for elk, and so we'll see see what I come up with there. That'll be fun. I've never hunted first season, uh, only hunted rifle one time. That was last year for like four days, and uh, so I'm looking forward to, to getting after it. That'll be pretty cool, and then I'll round out the year with my hunt in Oklahoma. Looking forward to catching up with some buddies there and, and doing some public land out in Oklahoma with my brother and, and a couple of good friends from high school. So uh, I'm really looking forward to that. My guest today is Tim Andrews, and uh, he's an Eagle Valley resident and a great guy. Um, he it has a really unique story because, he, you know, he similar to me, he moved out from uh, New York. Uh, I'm from Michigan, but he moved from New York and then moved to Colorado and kind of caught the elk bug and, and, and really got into it. And, you know, just uh, about a year ago, he, he bought uh, an outfitting business and now runs that. It's called Gypsum Creek Outfitters. And uh, it's really cool that, you know, he's taken this passion and, and, and turned it into a business and, and uh, you know, really kind of taking it full fledged. I thought that was pretty neat. And I talked with Tim about a lot of different aspects of the outfitting business, what they offer, you know, some of the hunts that they do, accommodations. But we also talk, you know, some of the the struggles and and starting up and permits and 
national forest stuff and then also talk a little bit of hunting and 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 action on that side so this is a lot of fun i had a great time talking with tim hope you guys do as well hope you enjoy this episode so let's not wait any longer let's get tim andrews on the line before we begin today's episode is brought to you by expedition archery manufacturer of the world's finest archery experience expedition bows combine aerospace level quality innovative designs and a fluid feel serious hunters demand test drive one today at your nearest archery retailer and view their full lineup at expeditionarchery.com why settle for status quo when opportunity and adventure awaits make your next hunt an expedition all right on the line with us now we have tim andrews from gypsum creek outfitters how you doing today tim I'm doing well, Adam. Uh, thanks for having me. I yeah, appreciate man. it. Yeah, no, I'm excited to have you on. We've, I know uh, we've been in and out of contact. Uh, last year just got a little bit of crazy for me, and uh, <laughs> I meant to have you on last fall, but I just uh, kind of dropped the ball on that. But here we are, man, and I'm, I'm looking really looking forward to talking to you and hearing the story and, and talk some hunting as well. Yeah, um, it's crazy how time's been flying by for us as well. And then, you know, with everything going on in the world today, it's even crazier, but I definitely <laughs> appreciate you reaching out and, you know, catching up with me for sure. Yeah, yeah. No, no problem. What, uh, yeah, what have you been up to this spring and summer? Has it, has it been kind of crazy with all the corona stuff or is everything kind of shaping up to be a busy fall? Luckily, um, we work um from pretty much remote my fiance and i so having our computer and internet we were able to stay busy up here and work from the ranch but a lot of stuff um you know it's just scary how everything's getting shut down and just restrictions on on people's businesses and stuff like that so that's very tough but it seems you know everything's going good and luckily we can stay busy but yeah yeah, no, that's uh that's exactly it. I you know, I do like some cabin rental stuff for hunters down here in southwest Colorado and you know, thankfully it seems like everything's still going good with that and you know, a lot of that's just done over the phone and talking to people and sending emails. So I'm sure you've been doing a lot of the same thing here over the last six months or so. Yeah, it seems like everyone I was doing some uh researching, you know, Colorado Parks and Wildlife and everyone just driving down my road. There's um like six or ten new campsites that were never even there before. And oh, really? Every every weekend it's just more and more people. And it's great, you know, people are just getting back to nature and want to be outside and, you know, the simple things in life, which really benefits the quality of life. But at the same time, you know, the animals and everything else are getting way more pressure than they're used to so you know, yeah it's always a catch-22 on that yeah no that's a that's a really good uh point there yeah I didn't even think about that because you're right I mean people aren't they're kind of sticking closer to home they're not staying in hotels and you know and they're setting up camps and and doing a lot of public land stuff like what you said is awesome but you know like I said it 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 does have an effect on animals and you know pressure in the backcountry and and I wonder how that'll affect things this fall. You know, I wonder if, if there's going to be some displacement or just just more pressure or they'll have time to get back to their routine. Kind of kind of to be determined, I guess. Yeah, and, you know, I think in, as long as the weather stays nice, the people are going to try to utilize it the best they can and be outside. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. Um, so, uh, so what... What have you been mainly working on this this summer? I I want to get in. I want to get into talking about because it's a really cool story of how you you know started hunting here in Colorado for elk, like you know recently within the last five or so years, and then and then you know you've bought this uh, you know bought into this uh, outfitting operation, so you run that now, and I want to get into all the details of that. But basically, I mean what's your what's your summer consisting of are you are you starting to get out there and and do a lot of scouting glassing run it do you run trail cameras at all what's what's been on the radar the last couple weeks and months 
Yeah. Um, everything. We, we took over. It was a 27-year-old business. Um, John's father and his grandfather both outfitted before him, and he grew up locally. So three generations and everything. And we kind of came about it on a Sunday afternoon. But everything, he, he had some health issues the last few years, so he kind of didn't really stay up on top of everything. So it's, I've been doing a lot of fence work for our mules and just well, I do run a lot of cameras, try to learn the most I can about the land. You know, it, we, we came about the business on a, we were at a dinner on a Sunday and I made a, just a stupid comment saying, Hey Kim, I want to, I would love to hunt behind your house. And you know, the old owner was like, Hey, that's my land, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so I went to the bathroom and when I came out, my, my fiance was like, Hey, get on the side by side. We're going to go check out this ranch. He wants to sell it. And you know, once we came up that driveway, it was just over. I don't think we slept for like a week or two. And it was just, she always told me I, I started hunting when I was a kid back in New York. My dad always took me out shotgun hunting as a kid. And I just liked growing up, you know, being with him in the woods and sitting in a tree stand for whitetail. And then once I got old enough to bow hunt, he, he bought us both bows and we just bow hunted together. And it was just a great, you know, I look forward to, nice. you know, the sports in the fall, but just bow hunting. So when I came here, it was like, man, I bet anyone a thousand bucks, I'll kill an elk. I'm a young kid. I, this is what I grew up doing. And it was very humbling, man. <laughs> I always thought I'd be at the top of the mountain at noon. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, noon comes, you're, not, you're a few hours from the truck. And it's just like, man, it's, it whooped me, and my first year I bought a shock or a rifle tag out here. Just went with my dad and brother or whatnot, and my friends were like, "You need to, you need to meet Drew. He makes his own calls." And I was like, "Oh, I just called him. I was like, hey, I'm, I told him my story. I'm like, I just want to shoot my bow with you. Let me, you know, ask you some questions." And he took me out hunting, and I listened to him call, and I heard, you know, he actually called in this little raghorn, and right then I was hooked. Yeah, that's so neat. Yeah, Drew's a, Drew's a good guy. So yeah, you uh, so you grew up hunting, you know, whitetails, whatever. Moved to Colorado, what, like five, six years ago? You said. Yeah, 2013. Okay. Um, the fall of 13. So. Okay. Got a job at Beaver Creek and just kind of enjoyed the winter, met people, and you know, just kind of get my feet on the ground. I followed my family out here. I'm really blessed because. Most of the people that live around, you know, this area of Vail, Colorado, are ski bums or whatever. They come out for a season or two, and I noticed that a lot with my friends. You know, everyone misses their family, and I came out here to be with my family. So it's, you know, I'm just completely blessed for that having that opportunity for sure. Yeah, yeah, no, 100%. Uh, yeah, once you get out here, it's a, it's, it definitely sucks you in for sure. I, I was, uh, I was the same. Same exact way. <laughs> so, uh, so you move out here, you start elk hunting, archery. Drew from Real Game Calls, who I've had on the podcast a few times. Great dude, uh, love their calls. And uh, so you, so you went out with him and kind of got your feet wet that way. And then, you know, uh, the last couple of years prior to actually buying and taking over Gypsum Creek Outfitters, wh- what were you doing? Were you doing kind of like solo DIY? elk hunts, archery stuff, rifle stuff, a little bit of everything, or what did all that look like? Yeah, so um, I've always worked construction over the last, you know, 10 years or so, which has been great. Now that I bought a ranch, I can kind of, I have so much knowledge about every, you know, little bit in each thing, so yeah. I kind of can do a lot on my own. But um, I kind of realized at the end of the day, I was, you know, I was broke, and my boss would always get mad when I would tell him I wanted to take September off. I'd tell him all summer, and then, you know, September came, and he'd be like, where's Tim? You know, so I ended up, my mom is just a wonderful person and a big influence in my life, so she's she's been in the mortgage business a long time and is really good at it. So I started studying on my time off, and I got my mortgage license and started, you know, so I could market her name and our business, you know, and build a name up here in the mountains for us with that. Luckily, she would step up and let me, you know, take two or three weeks off in September. She would bag me to go to, you know, we're going to Hawaii, we're going to the beach. And it's like, no, I, I can't. I, you know, September is my vacation. And she's like, it's not a vacation if you're out there, you know, hiking 100 miles or whatnot. But 
<laughs> I just fell in love, and I knew. I think it was the, how difficult it was. It was like that was a dream of mine. I always wanted to moose hunt, but when I came out here, I, I fell in love with the elk and the bugle. It's the only thing that like reminds you of Jurassic Park, or you know, yeah, old time, just different world and that elk just blew my mind so i just committed myself and i was like it's up to me and i most of the time i'd be by myself sleeping in my truck or next to my truck or in my hammock or whatever and i i have a good buddy i met um filming for drew in kentucky jason and he's came out two or three years in a row and spent a week or two with me and it was just it was just amazing to be able to have that opportunity it was tough you know and i really feel failure is the only way that you can really learn but yeah i would put probably 20 25 days in september just usually by myself and get in elk every day but it was just you know uneducated i didn't really know much about them and you know i kind of was just humbled to the whole experience of just thinking oh i you know i'll figure this out it'll be easy you know everything in my life's been pretty decent so it was just like it was very it was just unbelievably hard you know yeah yeah no it's 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 definitely no joke it's a you know i i've elk hunted what five years here i've only killed one ball i mean it's just it's not easy and uh you know it's 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 something that you just have to do but you get addicted to it man and and sounds like you've gotten gotten the bug for sure and and you've been getting after it the last couple years and 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 really learning the ropes and that's honestly i've learned more from the failures and the stuff i've messed up on than you know the one i actually killed i mean i just there's so much knowledge out there it seems like every day you go out you learn something new and and ah shoot i screwed that up but you know we can we can work on that for next time or whatever so it's just it's cool man it's sweet that you've you've caught the bug it it almost seems like a really similar story to myself just because you know we both moved from different areas of the country whitetail hunters now you know in the mountains and then kind of just diving in full fledged and and uh getting after it pretty cool yeah i never called animals very much in my life and then hearing drew call elk and then relating right into turkey season it just blew my mind and turkeys (laughs) are just like the elk so that was really good but i it came down to me not knowing anything about elk and that's where you know elk 101 or podcast came in and youtube i would just religiously all year long just watch youtube and listen and i wanted to know why the elk was coming from that area you know what were they what situation were they in and i just tried to put all that into my own you know and then all the time out in the woods is you know i could relate when they're talking about a situation or something like that and i'm like huh that's what happened that time or you know i could put all my failures into all this knowledge that is available to you these people have it dialed in you know there's a lot of a lot of amazing people that really spend a lot of time out there and if you just have a little interest you know, podcast after podcast, you just blow right through them because the knowledge is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, no, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, the outfitting operation. So, it's, I mean, it's pretty. I just think it's a really cool story because, I mean, you know, you you move out here and then, you know, basically, what a year and a half ago, you 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 know, buy this outfitting business and it's like holy cow this is i'm doing this this is this is real and uh i'm sure it's exciting and and everything at the same time uh but it it also could be probably a lot of work you know because it's it's no longer just hunting it's you know running a business from financials to you know you know fixing fences taking care of mules uh lining up guides uh you know, booking hunters, it's a lot of different stuff. Cliff Gray, who I've had on the podcast, who you know as well, uh, I mean, he just talks about it as like a logistical, you know, not nightmare, but I mean, it's it's very logistically intensive. Is or was What were some of like the struggles you experienced like when you first started out, you know, running this place? Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Um, luckily, my fiance and we were supposed to get married this summer, but COVID put all that on hold. We didn't want to ask our families to travel during, you know, that time. But yeah. 
She she's an amazing accountant and has her CPA license and actually she just got her mortgage license also so she can help um when I'm in the woods guiding and everything like that. So I I probably couldn't do it without her. She is just uh amazing when it comes to numbers and running businesses and you nice. know, really profit loss kind of stuff like that and cutting costs and realistic when it comes to business. Yeah. But um it was kind of thrown in there last minute, you know, we were this time last year, we were, you know, going through the motions of buying this place, and I actually moved up here the second, the third day, that first Saturday opening season, I was moving into the ranch, so it was like, I never really had, I scouted a little bit a few weekends, but I never actually had, it's all pretty much tough land back here, so I never hunted it, never had any, you know, experience guiding or anything my fiance always when we met she's just like man this is such a passion of you she actually was like i don't know if this is gonna work out this kid talked about hunting a lot it was right <laughs> after september You're so always i just gone. came out of 25 days or something like that so that's all my mind knew at that point but um she's she's got into hunting with me a little last year but it was like she sees numbers well it's a 27 year old business he's charged you know this amount for this many years we got to keep the numbers the same and i'm like babe i've never got it before you don't understand like the confidence and to be able to do this like we have to be able to give out some discounted hunts and get to get our feet wet a little bit like you know so we we ended up giving some discounted hunts out and just trying to feel it out you know have a few hunters come in and yeah my buddy that i duck hunt with luckily he before we even considered buying this place um he was like my dad and the lawyers coming out from florida would you mind if you know we go hunting with you guys for like a week and i'm like hey i never have anyone to go with me i would love to you know take you out and take you take them guys with us and we'll do a camp or something and luckily they were like hey you bought this business i'll still we still want to hunt with you if that's okay you know and and the first day, I think I spent so much time alone hunting that I was always, the year before, it was so dry. I put in 130 yep. miles in, in a few, you know, few weeks, and I was beyond elk every day, but I couldn't call. I couldn't move without giving out my location. So I was very timid about about how I hunted. I, I put in a lot of time and effort, and, you know, right before dark, I would blow out, blow out the elk or, you know, crack a twig or something, and that hike back to the truck, just not knowing, you know, I didn't know what am I going to do tomorrow? And it's just like, well, if I don't get up and make my coffee at four in the morning, I'm not even going to have a shot to, to fill a tag tomorrow. So I, I was just really having a hard time. And then it's like, all right, now it's not up to me. I have to put on a show for these guys kind of, you know, I, I got a little bit more aggressive and that all the podcasts, everything, you know, you got to really trip a, like a switch on these elk and yeah. to get them, you know, their senses are so powerful. So to get them to, to even let up one second, you, you really, so I, you know, at seven o'clock at night, I just, I let off a bugle and the the bull responds. And, you know, I, I, I tell the guy, let's oh, you got to run. And he looked at me like, what do you mean? And I'm like, we got to cut the distance, man. And he's like, really? And I pushed him. I'm like, you go. And we took <laughs> off and, you know, we covered probably 500 yards, got down in this drainage. And, you know, and then I like, I called again. I did a cow call. And once he bugled, I just cut him right off. I just started chuckling in his face. And I knew right then, just from all the podcasts and everything, like I he just, the situation was going to be perfect. The wind was coming down. He was, you know what I mean? I just, I couldn't believe it. And it, the bull came in to like eight yards on my buddy. And luckily it was my best friend, you know, one of my good friends out here. That was my first client. So if I was by myself, you know, I don't think I would have been that aggressive. And yeah. it was, you know, so being in that role of teaching someone else. And I didn't know how much knowledge I actually had until I started taking like my fiance out hunting that's never hunted before or, you know, teaching these guys that's never elk hunted, like it was easy to be like, Oh my God, you see this sign, like this tree's raked or whatever. And it was, you know, I wasn't just bullshitting them in in a way. Like yeah. I was actually pointing out stuff that I noticed and I was like, wow, I actually, I have a little more knowledge and, you know, I had, it got me a little bit more confident in the back country. I realized like, when I first moved here, I didn't know anything. I was so, 
small compared to these mountains. And now after a few years of being here, it's like, oh, if you go over this ridge, it's another town. If you go over this ridge, it's another town. It's like yeah. it all connects in a puzzle now. <laughs> yeah. And that's helped out a lot. But, you know, years and years and miles and miles of experience have, has kind of helped me be comfortable in the backcountry and in the dark and just in the big, big environment like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember that was a big struggle of mine starting out was, uh, I mean, the biggest chunk of land I'd really hunted in, you know, in Michigan was like a 300-acre farm in southern Michigan, and half of that was cornfield. I mean, so, like, coming out west, and now you're dealing with vast amounts of public land and mountainous terrain where it's pretty rough and treacherous and no cell service and all that stuff, it... It took me a bit to become comfortable with that, but the more you do it, um, you know, you you do find your comfort zone and and you you're able to relax a little bit more and you're not so concerned about certain things and you can be a better hunter, read the sign better, uh, move more with a purpose and uh sounds like a similar scenario to to you as well. Pretty cool. Yeah. It's uh it was pretty wild. My first roommate and best friend out here, we he moved here the same time I did, and um, he never hunted in his life. He's been on these Boy Scout camping trips and just done a lot of different stuff. So he was like, man, you're going to take the month off. I'll, I'll uh, buy a bow and, you know, go out hunting with you. And the first day walking in, you know, I've hunted my whole life, got in a tree stand. I never, like, I guess I put the tree stand there because of the tracks and stuff like that. But being in the big mountains, he was like, oh, my God, I'm going to go this way. The tracks are going this way. And all of a sudden, I'm like, you've never hunted. Like, you're a Boy Scout. You don't know anything. <laughs> and come to find out, I actually learned more from him that's never even hunted, but he could track animals and all this, you know, from a different experience growing up in Chicago, having yeah. a tree farm in Wisconsin, and, you know, doing this different thing. And it was like, wow, you know, it kind of, that's when I became a sponge and just started listening. To everyone has different experiences and you know, has a different take on things. So it goes, you know, goes completely far on when you can learn from, you know, anyone's experiences, I think. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Now with, uh, with your outfit operation, are you guys, I mean, tell us about some of the accommodations. Are you guys, uh, doing like fully guided can you do semi-guided stuff uh, elk deer bear uh, do you have accommodations for you know sleeping and in, in, in cabins and cooking like is it a full outfit or is it like semi or do you offer some amenities and, and not others talk to us a little bit about that yeah um everyone's hunting expectations are completely different you know you have this amazing out-of-state hunt plan in your head and you know, that's what you expect. You've never done it before or you come back every year. So I think being flexible is, you know, and try to accommodate everyone you can is the biggest thing. You, um, the big thing for us, too, is being affordable. I never once thought in my life I'd be able to, you know, go on a guided hunt or anything like that. And it blew my mind when I went out of town with Drew that one time to – uh, Whitetail Heaven, and I was like, holy crap, this is a real thing, you know? So that's what I've always related back to was this high-class Whitetail place that, yeah. you know, blew my mind. But we do we we do fully guided. I'd like to offer a semi-guided because everyone wants to do it themselves. And, yep. you know, they're like, why is the DYI drop camp half the price of the guided hunt? And it's because of all the work it takes in the summertime. Yeah, me, you know, maintaining the trails for my mules, putting up cameras, going to these water holes, checking things, figuring out, you know, all them hours, endless hours. It's like a semi got it. All right, well, you can come in. Here's a camp, and here's a map of where my my cameras have been, where you know the loops I have, blah blah blah. So it's like I can give, still be affordable, and offer something to to the every you know every guy my best hunts definitely are the one-on-one guided elk hunts i like that but it's really difficult because you're only you're given a certain amount of days to national forest with your license and yeah talk to us about the permitting and 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 licensing for that stuff we it's kind of a i'm I'm sure that's a a pain point or can be difficult certain times talk to us a little bit about that 
Well, they you're permitted a certain amount of days to go out on national forests to make money on their land. So okay. they make a percentage back at the end of the year. You know, you pretty much pay up front saying, hey, I think this many hunters are coming through and this is what we'll make. And at the end of the year, if you owe them a little money or if they owe you money, you just figure it out. It's really easy. But the difficult is, like, you're from Michigan. You want to come out with your buddy to get your meat and antlers home. The best way to come out here is to drive. Yeah. So if you, the, you know what I mean, to make it cheap and affordable, you're going to ask your buddy to come. Yeah. So now there's two or three of you. So the way it works with National Forest is I'm permitted a certain amount of days, and you come in. My my hunts are usually, I would like to offer three, five, or seven, but five days in the mountain, you know, after really getting after it, you're pretty whooped. No, you know, so yeah. it's like we offer five days. We bring you in a day before and a day after to get you acclimated and get you set up here you know you can shoot your bow whatever we got to do to get you ready to go and you get five solid days of hunting and then we bring you out but um i lost what i was going but well you just like you have like certain amount of um sounds like a certain amount of days and set stuff with the forest service thanks for that so if you and your two buddies come in five days each, that's not just five days of hunting. I have to count it as 10 or 15 days. If really? there's three of you, that's 15 days of my permit. Oh, so, wow. yeah, it's only five days of the season, but technically I'm making money off all three of you or whatever. So that's where it makes it tough because, you know, if I'm permitted, say, 100 days for the season, you know, I, get, I could fill the 100 days up in archery season just from, you know, yeah. one group a week. Yeah. If two or three people camps, you know, I would typically, if it was perfect, it would be like two to four people or something. Yeah. And a guide or two where one guy could take two guys this way, one guy could take two guys that way or whatever. But it's just now the biggest issue, too, is I bought a, this business. We got black bear, elk, and mule deer. So now I'm in Unit 44. I'm in a trophy mule deer unit. Yeah. So my hunters last year second season amazing dude he was ed was a great guy but he had eight points he was 72 so he he spent his points to get that second season tag because he didn't know how many more years he'd be able to get around the mountains yeah and then my third season hunters they had 23 years (laughs) that's crazy (laughs) you know they it's a once in a lifetime tag for these guys and it's like i've i've drew my tag every year on the other side of the highway oh, or yeah. on the other side of the mountain. So yeah. I've been able to hunt all this area. I know the mule deer, but I've never got to set foot in Unit 44 with a deer tag. Yeah. I, I elk hunt in here, so I know where good deer are, but that's another thing that I have. I'm issued a certain amount of land in my unit, and, you know, there might be another outfitter or something. But if you waited 23 years for this 44 tag, I feel as an outfitter, I should be able, you know, besides the private land, I should be able to at least deer hunt. I don't want to elk or bear hunt in the whole unit, but I should at least deer hunt, in, be, you know, in the whole unit. My yeah. buddy, these guys were friends. That's how I found these third season hunters. They were friends with my buddy out here I snowmobile with, and his dad works with the one guy or whatnot. But they're at my ranch, you know, they were doing it semi-guided. I had some elk hunters, so they just needed a place to crash, and I, I wanted to help them the three days I could, so... We hunted together and whatnot, but they're getting texts of the other side of the mountain where I used to live, and these big bucks are living on the golf course over there, and there's a little <laughs> bit of public around it, and they wanted me to take them in there, and it's just, hey, you guys can go, you know, go after it, but legally, I can't just go over there and put you on them deer. Like, it's a nice buck, but it's not in my, my guide map. So, you know, there's a, a fine line when it comes to the whole permit. and So you can't guide you know, the entire unit? for that like it has you have certain boundaries within the unit yeah yep so okay i guess there's a it's broken up to a few people um that outfit out of here yeah um which is weird i'm getting calls every week and just from my you know getting a google page and facebook page i built my mortgage company up out here so i know how to kind of build a website and get some attention yep and just from those two, I booked up in just January. Like, people have been calling me, and I've been, you know, trying to turn them no or, you know, tell them a few places on a map to give them some pointers. But 
national forests are giving people my number every week and we're like the only ones that will answer their phones or i don't even know i just emailed them asking if i could get a list because i want to help as many people as i can I, if the neighbor guy you know there's a dude past me if he doesn't have clients like hey i want you know i want to try to help out and build a good name and you know yeah or whatnot so i just i don't know who else outfits in 44 but yeah there's a bunch of with the days and then the having the regular you know a, a license map it's like i just i don't want to you know go break rules for one deer i'd rather oh, yeah. be able to deer hunt you know for 20 years than one but. yeah 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 no that's not anything to mess around with that's for sure um yeah and and uh and then you said uh you run mules so are you doing more of like a a pack-in stuff where you you don't know, do wall tents and that sort of thing, or are you guys traveling back and forth from, like, the ranch? Um, a little of both. So this is our first – there's two horses up here when we bought the ranch, but they were getting up in age, so we, you know, we kind of didn't need them. Took them to the glue this factory. This year was the first year. <laughs> yeah, it's more vet bills and stuff like that. Yeah. But that's where my, my wife, my fiance's experience comes in. She grew up. Um, on a horse farm and was raised, you know, with horses and barrel racing and a whole bunch of animals. So she's always wanted some kind of land where she could have them again. And we did some research. We did, you know, someone got back to us from Oklahoma. This guy, uh, an old farmer guy, these were his babies. And he's been on a few hunting trips in, in Colorado with them. He got them for that. So we went down there, super nice dude, and we bought three of his mules and we got his trailer and all his gear and everything so it was a really nice really good experience and the last like two weeks we've had him up here and i fixed a lot of the fence we're just working them every day a few hours of getting them used to the mountains it was so hot in oklahoma that i think they're <laughs> happy happy to be up here in the mountains for sure uh, i'm sure I'm, i i bet they're but, uh they got a better spot where they're at now <laughs> So from my experience, I've been really, you know, and that's another thing, outfit, and now it's up to me, you know, and now it's like, man, I've been stressing about bringing people in and out, and, you know, I put it on a calendar so I can actually visualize my schedule and yep. really get down to it, but the biggest, I have a bunch of wall tents and stuff like that, like, yeah, so I will have, like, I'm thinking the best way to do it is have one or two main camps where I can, you know, pack someone into um, once, you know, have everything there, there'll be cots, everything. We got to charge our phones or GPSs, whatever we need out of main camp. And then, you know, you're going to hike three to five miles one day going one way, calling or whatever, looking for the elk. So it's like, man, backtracking, all, always going back to my truck or always going back to one camp. That's where I'm losing a lot of time and energy. Yeah. So I want to, I want to have a good trail system through here where, I have five different camps or something like that where yeah. all right, they're going to be more of a spike camp. Maybe we don't have a, you know, a bigger grill and blah, 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 but we're hiking all day this way and yeah. we're going to get to this little camp. And if, guess what? If there's not elk there, we're going to go this way. We're going to head up North and there's another camp, but we don't have to backtrack the land that we've all already hit. So yeah. my hunts are five days where, you know, within three to five days, we're going to cover enough ground that we should know, you know, where the elk are moving and on the herd, but you could wake up and they could be five miles away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Being being mobile, I think is going to be the way to be successful. You know, I go pretty much back to back with a a day or two in between just one or two man groups. So it's not a lot of pressure, but then that comes down to do it yourself. If I'm limited on this area, I don't want to just go drop you at a camp and let you out there with a hoochie mama just blowing every five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. Being, you know, and that's the biggest question I get is, what's the best day to be there? And it's, well, I shot a bull the last weekend last year, and we shot a bull in the first week. It's like I think being the first one calling at them, you have a good opportunity there to call maybe a herd bull away from the herd. But mm-hmm. I've everyone – Oh, it's too hot to rut. It's too hot to rut. Well, everything I've learned from what I've studied and stuff like that from the podcast, it's the amount of light that goes into the cow's eyes with the estrus. So 
yep. fall equinox, you know, September 15th to October 15th. That is, you know, your typical rut a few days here and there. If there's a full moon, you might get a few more hours of light, but they want to rut as much as we want them to. Yeah. These bulls, I've heard them in every year, the opening weekend in August to the last weekend in September, I always call on a bull. And, you know, he's a straggling five or six point, but guess what? He's fired up looking for a cow. And that, if you can call that bull in every day a, a mature five or six point, then he's going to put on a show for you and have a great time, you know? It's, oh, yeah. Everyone wants to shoot a monster bull, but they're they're a little bit hard to come by nowadays <laughs> on public land, especially if, in if they're herded up, you know. They'll yeah. bugle back at you while they're running the other way. Oh, yeah. You know, they're pushing them cows the opposite way of your calling. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and uh, and then all the pretty much talk to us about uh, did Unit Forty Four get changed up a little bit in regards to like over the counter stuff? I th- I thought maybe a year or two ago it it switched to like it's still over the counter, but it's only for that specific unit. You can't go then go hunt a different unit. Is that the case, or um, how does it work around yeah. your area? So. This area, Vale, everything, the housing crisis, like the rentals, you're paying a thousand dollars, twelve hundred bucks a room out here to live in someone's, just have a, a room and a bathroom. So, <laughs> yeah. the, so all the winter range is really getting taken from them, you know. Yeah. And then they want to introduce wolves, which is a whole nother thing. But yeah. the winter range is getting taken for these animals, so the population was going down. And I've been talking with the 44 Ranger and. He talks with the biologists out here, so he he's a really nice guy, and he he's answered a lot of my questions. You know, being new at this and been a really really helpful dude. But um, he so last year they went from it used to be over the counter either sex in Unit 44, just like most of Colorado, like whatever seventy yep. percent or something like that. So yeah, yeah, archery season, and then um, last year was the first year they did it where he told me seven to eight bulls will impregnate 99 to 100 cows every single time they don't need more than that so just seven bulls to 100 cows they're all going to get pregnant so he said by not shooting cows is going to be the way the population is going to rebuild so they they limited that they changed it from either sex cow tag or i mean either sex over the counter to over the counter bull only last year okay same thing you just go over you can buy it the night before or whatever but you can only buy a bull tag and then this year so it's perfect you know i book up my my archery season i'm happy as can be and then they say oh it's a draw only so now i i call him up i'm like hey man what's the deal because i have you know seven people that are coming out here and if they don't draw tags i got to change up my business strategy like yeah no you know now i don't have any days booked and i'm not (laughs) making any money which whatever you know and (laughs) And that's a big thing for me. If the, if the population is hurting, I want to be on the good side. I want to work with the Elk, Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation and whoever it is that that helps rebuild these populations. If we don't elk come for five years, then, hey, we're going to have a healthier herd. We're going to have a better hunting. I'm I'm okay with that, you know, whatever's going to help these animals. But So he it went to bowl only last year, and now this year it was a draw. So they were like, all right, 44 is a draw for bowl only. And... He said wow. the success rate during archery season so low that he's like, the revenue's coming in. I don't think it's going to change. You know, whoever puts in will get the tag. But the thing is, making it not over the counter, it's going to make the other people go to different units. That's where the pressure gets in less. So he's like, everyone's going to go to the over counter units and not put in for this unit, and there'll be less pressure on the animals. But. He told, well, I looked at the 18 statistics when they put it a draw out there, and it was like 365 elk tags were given out, and 16 bulls and four cows were shot. So 20 out of 360. Wow. So that's where, that's why he told me that the, the odds were so low that it's just a lot of money Colorado's pulling in. And then this year they made it a draw. All my hunters drew. They did this secondary draw, and there's 174 tags available for my unit. So I'm like, you made this unit a draw, and now there's 200 tags available. So, yeah, you know, I don't know if it just seemed like triple compared to any other unit. So I'm like, man, if someone's looking for a tag, they're just going to, oh, 44 has this many, I'll get it. So I don't know if that's going to push in a lot of people in yeah. the secondary or if 
if no one, you know, if no one just come into the unit or whatnot, but. Yeah, well, I, you know, I would imagine if, because it's only, if it's a draw, it would only be for that specific unit, right? So, like, I guess if you were looking at, you know, things from a perspective, like when I lived in Eagle, I'd hunt around there, but I'd also hunt down here, you know, southwest Colorado yep. as well. So, like, I, I would probably be hesitant, you know, myself if I had different areas of the state where I hunted or did a week trip here, but then just hunt, you know, I, totally. might, I might look at not getting that tag for sure just because it's only that specific unit. So That makes a lot of sense because same with me, like I said, with the deer, I've hunted a lot of 35, 36, wherever I could get that tag, you know. So a lot of my grounds are, you know, in areas I'm actually not allowed to guide. So when someone was like, Oh, here, you know, I need some advice. I'm just like, oh, go try this area. Go try that. Like, it used to be good. I, you know, I can't promise anything, but yeah. at least it will get your foot in the door. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, what, uh, what, What's your pricing structure look like for, let's say, an archery elk, you know, one-on-one guide for the week? Um, I mean, what are you, what are you uh, looking at as far as pricing there? Um, for one-on-one, obviously that's just one person, one guide. We try to do fully lodging where I have a cabin here. I have, you know, the outfitter tents, the wall tents that I put up, or I have my basement done up for my guests during rifle season. But I get, I charge three, three grand for one-on-one. And then if you bring out a friend, it's five grand. So 2,500 a person. Wow. That's, Um, I mean, that seems really reasonable, you know, for, for uh fully guided you know obviously it's not i think you do have some private ground there too right but not a ton i can't remember yeah so the big thing is is the access we're we're in some steep and deep country but um they cut road off road access off on the front side here so there's a few ranches you know past me but unless you want to hike 10 miles in some nasty country to, to come in around me that it's really limited so that's what's real nice. I have private access in the national forest with a gate, and from there, with my mules, we can you know we can access some untouched grounds. I don't really ever see anyone on my trail cameras. I don't you know really come across too many hunters or hear them calling or anything. It's it's pretty nice, and the more the more the on the backside of the mountains, all the roads are open, so everyone's driving around pushing the animals kind of right over to us. Yeah. You know, yeah. The more pressure they get, the the tighter they come down this valley. So it's like it works out, you know. But that's another thing. It's hard to to really ask anyone with the technology nowadays. I love it, don't get me wrong, it's helped me a lot, but I can't really ask anyone for help because it's it's limited, you know. It's like, all right, you're gonna go elk hunting for five days and you bust your ass and don't find any elk and then it's like, Oh well, that one time I helped him I know, you know, so it's like anyone can pull out their Onyx or base maps and just start marking it, and, you know, if you want it bad enough, you're going to figure out a way to do it. So it's like I'm on public land, so I have to be really limited on what I share. Most of the trail camera pictures I really I keep to myself and to my hunters. When they give me a deposit, I keep them updated, you know, and excited for the season, but it's not like I can just put them on my Facebook or anything because yeah, now people, you know, it's – it's not just yeah. it's too easy to, you know, look at a map and find good good areas to hunt nowadays. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I that's uh yeah, no, that's certainly one of the, the, the struggles of, of uh operating on a on a public land basis. But it sounds like you've got some pretty pretty good access and, and uh it's kind of a similar deal to like what we do down here. I mean, it's no guiding. We don't run any, it's just cabin rentals strictly, but what people, people buy them, uh, or rent the cabins really for the access, you know, all the property behind it is really tough to get to, you know, uh, unless, unless you're up there staying at the cabin. So it's kind of, kind of the advantage. And it sounds like you kind of play that into your scenario as well. Yeah, it definitely helps, you know, getting back to my side-by-side at 2 in the morning with my elk and bear last year, I was completely exhausted, wolf, you <laughs> know, bet. coming out of there. It's all deadfall, so if this ever burns, man, it's going to be bad. Oh, yeah. And and that's another thing with all the extra camping down the road. I took the side-by-side down there, and I go by a campsite. There's, like, a stage one, so not a crazy fire restriction. 
if you're not an out-of-stater, like I grew up in New York, we have fires all the time. I'm not an idiot when it comes to having a fire. I don't, you know, whatever, it's common sense. But these people have fires as big as my truck, and they're like 40 people partying, and I'm just, holy crap, you know. Like, yeah. I'm up the road. If you guys burn this place down, it's coming my way for sure. Yeah, I know. That's Yeah, that's another thing I didn't even think about with the increased amount of people getting out there yeah that might be uh <laughs> the fires and the parties are actually getting a little bigger too which isn't good so yeah but um yeah having that it sounds similar to you guys is it's you know we that's what we'd like to do eventually is like she wanted the rv park so having a little airbnbs little tiny homes you know putting in the universal shower and kind of offering it not just during hunting season we really were thinking about having our wedding up here our views are some some of the best in colorado i think it's just unbelievable and we're there's no neighbors we're just discreet on this little plateau and we're going to do our wedding up here just so it's ridiculous you look at that like 20 to 50 grand to get married around this area in Vale. it's just oh yeah you know god bless you if you can do it but we like <laughs> yeah. something affordable you know if we buy a, a big tent or two and build a stage like Hey, a, a few thousand dollars half off or whatever, you know, you can have a nice wedding in the mountains and it kind of yeah. would be nice. So there's a thousand ways to make money off the land and we're zoned agricultural. We can kind of do anything we want, but it's like picking the four or five things that are going to be yeah, know, universal core. and really trying to get into the bird division. I want to run, you know, the upland birds up here because oh, that'd be it's so a cool. two-hour circle down to Denver or you know, to Montrose, an area yep. where they're running pheasants and stuff like that. So I'm really big into the, the dog work. I would like to train dogs and, you know, do a little thing on the side with, with running birds up here. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be really cool. I'm sure people would eat that up. And, and like I said, uh, yeah, you got the land, you know, the hunting season, you know, from a standpoint of actual days of the year, it's a pretty small percentage or let's say a third of the year maybe um you know so getting into some of that other stuff would be would be really sweet and uh and definitely having some sort of rv park or you know uh tiny homes or something like that where you can host host events and weddings that'd be a pretty sweet venue man i've seen some of your pictures and 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 the views there like you said are pretty pretty amazing uh top notch <laughs> yeah and a 3D archery course, that's been, I've been an archery guy my whole life, so I think that would be something cool, do some youth lessons and stuff like that, but that's definitely down the road. we got to figure out which direction we, we're going to go, but the big game hunting, it's, it's a dream come true. She told me when she met me to, like, you know, you should get your God license, you should do this, and it was just intimidating. Like, how do you start from nothing and, you know, really build a, a name? So luckily... It all came in, which is crazy. This ranch was for sale for over eight years, and he had a few people interested, but a hard-working dude, he did drywall his whole life. I think he didn't want anyone to develop it. He wanted his hard work and, and outfit and to continue. Yeah. So when he he met us, man, it was 30-year-old kids that wanted to, to you know, go in full bore, and he's John's been a great influence and been a good good friend of ours, so that's definitely helped, and I just, I can't believe, like, we felt, you know, we we won the lottery buying this place, and then we found out it was for sale for eight years. I was like, huh, that's wild to us, you know, but <laughs> the neighbor guy, he was like, man, I think you overpaid, and my wife, looked, you know, my fiance looked at him and was like, oh, well, I would have paid double, so I think <laughs> we, we won, you know? Yeah, man. Uh, yeah, no, you can't go wrong there. John's a good guy. I've met him a few times, and, and uh yeah, well, it sounds like I mean he he probably was waiting for the right person that would that would actually you know carry on the legacy so to speak and and you know keep it going and and doing that thing not just turn it into a you know a private you know something and and uh, yeah. kind of do away with it all. It's so funny. I call him and I'll be like, John, I got the best idea, man. What do you think about this? And he'll be like, What? That is the dumbest thing I ever heard. You know, he's just an old school farm boy. You know, yeah. and he just he'll tell you how it is, and it's so funny to me because I'm the opposite. You know, I'm try to try to always be positive, and you know, <laughs> no matter what, there's always a way to like present something in a positive, 
you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. Put attitude, and he's just like, "You're dumb." <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got really You got to appreciate also this. This uh, other friend of mine I met a few years back. He had a moose tag, so he's been in my phone as Moose Man my whole whole time. But <laughs> over the last few years, um, he's a 50 year old buddy. But him and his brother have been out here 30 years, and these guys are just hardcore backcountry dudes. They go to every lake around. They they spend you know weeks in the freaking mountains in the little tent together. And anytime I've had any questions, and I'll give Glenn a call, and he's just been such a great influence on me. And he actually helped me God a little bit last year. So just the the people that have built up over the few years, you know, it's kind of I don't see you don't get anywhere making enemies. I'm the guy that will help you paint your house. I'll help you move. If you want a tree cut down, like anything that you need, it's just at the end of the day, like, you know, it's good karma and what comes around goes around, you know? So I think that's where it really, where I've benefited is just being a good person. Like I have no idea how this all came together, you know, 32 years old and making my dreams come true. And it's like, my only answer is by being a good person and, and just trying to be the most positive person that you can be to to everyone. You know, everyone has different situations and going through different problems, and you never know, you know, just smiling or saying hi to someone could could be a benefit to, yeah. to their day, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're a good guy, Tim. Um, I'm checking out your website right now, and uh, pretty cool, man. You got some good updates on there showing some photos and, and everything. Is that – that kind of the best place to go to kind of you know if you're interested in booking a hunt or get more information go to the website and check it out or? yeah gypsumcreekoutfitters.com or if you look up gypsum creek outfitters on facebook and instagram i both have it's just gypsum creek outfitters that comes up and i i have two pages there that you can contact us at and um usually around with you know, I have a ranch lawn and whatnot, but our cells usually work, and we usually can get back to someone, you know, the same day or something like that. Always have different stuff going on, so sometimes we don't have service, but we try to try to get back to people. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm sure it's uh, it's a little difficult there at times, but yeah, I love it, man. This is this has been really cool. I'm I'm uh, looking forward to hearing how the season shapes up for, for 2020 here and we'll have to have you back on at some point just to maybe we can talk some more like strategy stuff and, and hunting stuff. I love kind of hearing about all aspects of it. And then, you know, kind of the guiding thing is, is, you know, a whole different realm. That's, that's interesting as well. And we can maybe, you know, on a future one, talk about, you know, things to prepare, you know, what people should be doing, what to bring, you know, how to, you know, interact with, with other guys in camp or, you know, with a guide and all that yeah. stuff. Like I'd love to get into some of that on a future episode. Yeah, that sounds great, man. And, uh, I would love to, to share your stuff as well. So just let me know. Um, I have a lot of buddies that hit me up daily, so I know they'll, they'll be really thrilled about this and, you know, be on board for the future. And I actually, uh, made Pope and Young and Boone and Crocker with my black bear last year. So I definitely have to tell you the story about that. Nice, and man. That's awesome. It was just, just ridiculous. Yeah. I had a bigger bear come in, and I, I drew on him twice, and then the other bear came down. It was just, it was wild, but super awesome having me on, man. I really appreciate any time. Your, your stuff's really great. I love the articles you've been doing, and you know, for anyone that's, that is looking for some good information on the outdoors, is you know, you, you're definitely killing it. Thanks, man. I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's uh, been a pleasure. Look forward to, to again, seeing your stuff, and, and best of luck this year, Tim, and, and we'll talk at you soon, all right? All right, God bless, man, and it was good talking with you, Adam. All right, and there you have it, another episode in the books. Thanks again for Tim for coming on the show. Definitely give Tim some love if you're considering doing a hunt here in Colorado. You want to find out a little more information on his outfit, definitely check out gypsumcreekoutfitters.com and, uh, you know, reach out. I mean, it sounds like Tim's a a great guy. He'll help you with any questions you have and, uh, you know, sounds like a a good hunting, hunting opportunity as well. So definitely give him some love. Appreciate you guys tuning in and hope everyone's staying safe out there. Hope you're getting 
getting out, shooting the bow, doing some scouting, doing whatever it is. Because if you're hunting here in the West, shoot, we're a month or less in some states, only just uh, you know a week or two away, uh, which is crazy. So uh, summer's just flying by. It, it keeps going faster and faster each year. But anyways, hope all is well. Thanks again to our partners, Expedition Archery, Skull Brew Coffee, and Outdoor Edge Knives. Hope you guys have a great day and talk to you soon. Mm-hmm.